On today's episode of Family Time, we discuss privacy versus secrets. I want to provide a warning for listeners because today's content may be triggering to some. Please listen at your own discretion. I'm Annalise Lucero, and this is The Good, The Bad, The Family. Thank you for joining us today on The Good, The Bad, The Family, Family Time. Today, I'm joined by my sister, Becky, my little... Woo woo. Yeah. My little sister, Debbie, um, my mom and my dad. And our topic today is privacy versus secrets. But welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining. Yay. Hey. Hello. Yay. <laughs> I just want to start with I'd like to keep all of my thoughts on this private and secret. <laughs> oh, OK, I'll me- I'll just mute you then. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no one will ever know. Exactly. Uh, well, I thought it would be good just to kind of open up the the floor and let you all share what, like, maybe just like how you define privacy, how you define secrets. So go ahead. Annalise, it's scary that you start the way I think sometimes. <laughs> all right. Secrecy. Person knows something and keeps it to themselves. But knows what? Anything. And they keep it to themselves. Good, no. bad, or indifferent. That's a secret. That's secrecy. But okay. is a secret bad? Is a secret bad? Uh, no, secrets can be good or bad. I'd be curious to what, what other people think is, is secrecy, being keeping a secret. Well, secret. tell us what you think privacy is. How is privacy different from secrets? Well, sometimes privacy is you know something. Other people might know something, uh, but you don't talk about it or you don't or you ask people not to share it maybe um or even sometimes the other people don't observe that it's private but you do um i know that's not a very good definition no i think Um, it's i think it's good i you know i when i first thought of this topic i thought of my husband because he is literally like if you if you ever do need a secret cup tell him he's very good at it but he's also equally good at the privacy piece. Cause there's so many times I'll be like, how come you didn't tell me that? You know, maybe he found something out about friends. Uh, let's use the example of maybe something less depressing, like, okay, so a, a friend of ours is pregnant, a couple. And I'll say, Hey, you knew, how come you didn't tell me? And he said, because they asked me not to, and it's, it's private. And I'm like, but I'm your wife. Nothing, nothing's uh-huh. private from me. And he's like, well, yeah, no, sure it is. They asked me to keep it private, so I did. And I always find that so interesting because I'm like, well, good job. You know, I kind of think, well, good job. You know, I mean, I, I'm i not saying I'm the worst secret keeper, but I also am a person that gets really excited about information and I just want to share it. I don't know if that's but like a way of saying I'm not a good Be- secret keeper. I disagree with you though, Becky. I think you're pretty good at keeping secrets. Sometimes. I think it's, I think that you just, you just kind of, uh, maybe rate your your the information to decide what you can and can't I share. think privacy right. is just so so important and frankly if you don't respect people's privacy you will not have friends because you know I think friends share things with me and it's pretty obvious even if they don't say please don't tell anyone and sometimes people do and then of course you respect it but even if they don't I think it's pretty obvious when people don't want things shared yeah I was gonna say that privacy feels more like a part of assertiveness like 
you, it feels more serious, you know, like whereas secrets feel more like, I don't know, like maybe not as big of a deal. I was trying to give an example of a secret that I would have right now as an adult. I know that sounds silly, but I think secrets are less um, prevalent in your adult life than when you're children, you know, children always have secrets, right? Like I got some candy under my bed. I got, yeah. you know, silly things that are, to me, secrets are more frivolous. It feels more juvenile. Well, I think you make a good point though, Becky, about like that, that kind of difference of <laughs> immaturity. And I think that secrets for me bring up fear and shame and okay. secrets are exactly. sort of harmful. And so secrets are like, I don't, I'm afraid for people to know, or I don't want people to know because of the fear and shame that come with it. Whereas privacy is like healthy boundaries. Like this information, it may not be hurtful, but it's not for you. It's for me or whoever I choose to share it with. That's kind of how I think. That's a good definition. And that's an interesting way to, I, I do think it's a good definition. And I think that that's the way that I try to talk to my children about it and more so my 10 year old, cause she's older, you know, it's like secrets are okay. Um, and privacy is important, but trying to help her find those boundaries, you know, and we're, we're there now. I mean, it's already crazy at 10 years old with girls and secrets and, you know, telling so, secrets. <laughs> so I'd like to, I'd like to say something there, you know, the fear and shame piece of it is really important. Like, like you think about like, like jail time, prison records, sexual abuse in the family, uh, extramarital affairs, like those kind of pull it at the fabric of the family. They really pull, they, they tug at so many different emotions. Uh, Are those, are those okay to keep secret? And, and I mean, inside of a family, I mean, we are a big family. Are there secrets inside of our family that we don't want to share? I don't know, but you know what, Annalise, when you, when I saw this subject, I like went all over the place because I started thinking about, about our, our, the girls in our family mostly. And, you know, you teach them about your, you know, your body parts are private, but, but then people that prey on like, um, um, child molesters and, and pedophiles, they prey on people who who do have that privacy and then they call it a secret. I, mm-hmm. I think I don't even know if that's true, but it feels mm-hmm. like that's how it works. So that's why they can they can continue to, to harm these kids or manipulate them or do that because they have shamed them into the secret, even though it's about their body, which is private. Well, I, I, I don't think know you're, how you talk about that. Well, I think, Dad, you're on the right track. And I think that's very much the way you grew up and you were raised, especially knowing your mom, my grandma, very private person about that kind of stuff. I think we were raised, you know, that's a private thing. I do think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it, most of the moms that I know, I don't really want to say dads because I don't really talk to any dads about this, but moms that I know, most of my friends and really talk about body parts much more freely nowadays. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot, I mean, it's private, but it's not such a faux pas to say those words and using or the taboo, words. Yeah. It is a, it is a lot more like even this morning, the boys were making something. <laughs> I don't know what they do on this Minecraft thing, Annalise, but do they make characters? <laughs> do they make yeah, they can, they can. Yeah. 
And they were talking about like their body parts and make, but like, very frankly, like we're going to make this boy and he has all these things. And, um, but it's interesting because I do feel like the kids talk a lot more freely than we ever did. Not that it's a bad thing, but it was a lot more secret and they talk about it in school more too. Yeah. And I think that goes really to like the fear and the shame. If I have shame about my body because my body is supposed to be this big secret and then someone is touching my body in a way that makes me uncomfortable, you're, you're so, it's so wrapped up in that shame and that quietness that you don't feel the urgency to protect it. And I think that's why our generation getting away from that thinking is so important because our body is just a body. It's, it's useful. It's a tool. It helps us to accomplish things. And so I know Becky and and Debbie and I have talked about, like you say the name of the body part because you remove the secrecy of it. You remove the, the taboo of it and it becomes Any more shame normalized. surrounding it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think have that's one, so true. I have one, they have one, you know, those things. I agree. I think in, I think in my experience of working with families that have a victim of sexual abuse, that's a child so often it is wrapped up in that cultural, especially in New Mexico, down in Alamogordo, it's wrapped up in that cultural sort of, we don't talk about that stuff and we don't, there's so much shame and there's so much, um, just negativity around even opening the possibility of that happening. And a lot of families will just put blinders on like this, this isn't happening or this is, this is not occurring. And it turns into a, from a secret into this like festering cancer that people are just blind to. And so, you know, I don't really know what that has to do with like privacy and secrets other than I think secrets are harmful. I think, I think for me, privacy is respecting people's boundaries for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. We don't need to know the reason we just, and we pick up on it on a social level when we're talking to someone or doing something with a person, we can read their body language when we, when we're crossing that boundary, when they, we feel them being uncomfortable or we're uncomfortable. We know that's kind of a red flag of a, of a privacy thing. A secret to me is something that has consequences, positive or negative, because it had it comes with a consequence, with a reaction, if you will, a secret does it, you know, for good or bad, you know, we're if we're just talking in general secrets, secrets don't have to be bad. Sometimes it's good to tell a secret because it, it pushes a person or it helps a person move forward. Um, but it, again, it just depends on in the context of the secret. You know, it's like sometimes, you know, if you know something about someone that's a secret, but it's hurting them in some way, we need to speak up. So it's really to understand the consequence of the secret and when we do share it or when we don't. Um, so I just looked up the definitions because I was just kind of curious. because I'm like, what is the difference between privacy and secrecy? But so basically secrecy, the definition was something meant to be kept unknown or unseen by others, which feels very like, it feels a little more like dark to me, you know? And then privacy, the definition was being free from being observed or disturbed by others, which just feels like, yeah, that's a good boundary. Yeah, Yeah, I'm just, that's a boundary. boundary. It's not like, I don't want, I don't, I want to be unknown. I want to be unseen. It's just, this is being kept between like a, a safe boundary. I like knowing the definition and I, and I like what you said, mom, about the fact that we don't have to know 
We don't right. have to. And, and I right. think that's such a like good reminder for me. Like I, I am so um, a pleaser and I want everyone around me to be happy. And just because someone's not happy and they don't want to talk about it, like I, I need that reminder to respect that boundary. And I don't need to know why. Right. And I don't need to take it personally. And I think that's a good reminder for everyone. You know, just because you don't want to talk to me about what's what's bothering you. That's or even share your 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 good fortune. A lot of times when people have good fortune, they keep it private because they don't want others to feel whatever bad or left out or um, less in some way. We keep we we keep our privacy to protect others sometimes, too. Well, and I don't think I don't think I'm a particularly private person myself. And sometimes I can be, but I mean, I like to share things about my life, not more good than bad. You know, I like to keep that so private, but um, Curtis and I's dear friends that we've gotten really, really close with after the last few years are probably two of the most private people I've ever known. And it has been very, very um, interesting and a really good learning experience for me of how amazing keeping things private in, in your home and in your life, good and bad. Like you said, mom, it's not just bad stuff. It's good stuff. Right. Can be so intimate for your family. In yeah. Good point. Way. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, Curtis and I are very blessed in our life and we do have a lot of good fortune and we have a lot of great things happen to us. And sometimes not sharing those things has made them even more special for for our relationship, you know? Mm. Hey, Becky, isn't it funny that we kind of talked a little bit about this yesterday? Hey, mm-hmm. So, so from, so one of the things I go back to what Annalise said in the very beginning, the whole shame and fear thing, you know, you guys know how I am about privacy and secrecy. I have said family secrets should never be shared outside of blood because <laughs> when push comes to shove, the blood only in, people in my life that matter <laughs> that will not reveal secrets is my blood. And I say, that to the five of you, the four of you and Nick, that you're my blood. And there, there's things that are out there. But, you know, um, I think <laughs> that that whole fear thing about revealing something that that you've done, that it could result in 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 the loss of something, love, respect, loyalty. I think about respect more than anything, Sh- sharing something that you've done that and you lose that respect. Uh, I, I think that that is a lot of times the only incentive a person needs to keep a secret. But the, the other part too is, is sometimes how do you, how does a person justify keeping a secret? Do you weigh it out in your mind? Do you say, man, I did something really bad yesterday. I did something really bad five years ago. I did something really bad 20 years ago. Do I keep it a secret so that nobody ever knows and that nobody can be harmed by that secret because only I know it? you know, or whatever, maybe a couple of other people that are involved, but will never come in contact, man. This is one of those things. Cause, cause I, I gotta tell you, I know that we have secrets in the, in the family. I know there are secrets. There has to be, everybody has secrets, but, but are they kept out of the, out of the realm of our family to be protective and, and all that? I don't know. I will say this though, keeping a secret can make you sick. <laughs> that you know? is so I, I true. Mean, it can really make you sick. And you guys might, the, the, the clinical part of this conversation can speak probably a lot more to that. Mm-hmm. You know, even, even not only mental sick, but physical sick. Yeah. But, you know, I still believe 
that that there are some secrets that just aren't worth revealing. The the damage is too great. But not if that I have any, you, baby. If I don't have any secret from you, sick, It's sick inside. Yeah, I think that's I when think- you tell. I think you just, you said a lot there, dad. And I want to touch on a couple of things because when I heard you talk about, you know, keeping secrets in the blood, in the family, right? Our family is what many people would call enmeshed, which means we're all up in each other's, we're all up in each other's business. Yes. And that's, that's normal for us. And, you know, psychology books and professors and researchers would say that's not healthy, but for us, that's that it it works. It's better. We're better when we are supporting one another and respecting each other's boundaries when we we set them right but when you talk about keeping secrets within blood that to me is like warning warning right to me because that is kind of perpetuating that pattern of if bad things happen to you you can't tell anybody outside of the family and then how do you get help that's why a lot of people don't go to therapy they don't even like they won't even go to their doctor because it's like no, I can't talk about that because it's too embarrassing or, you know, there's just all that shame about it. Then it becomes a family secret. Right. And so I think, I think, um, that's just something that kind of like made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Like, no, we don't, even we don't have family secrets because it's one thing to share a secret appropriately, right. For us as Catholics, maybe that's in confession with a priest and then it's no longer like eating away at us, or maybe it's with your therapist or you share with your doctor, like, Hey, you know, I've been having really bad eating habits and I haven't told anybody and I'm, I'm feeling really bad about it. Right. So there's appropriate people that you can share your secrets with. If they're really, really bad, maybe it's the police, right? So, like, well, but I agree, Lisa, and I think that's an important thing, like for us to teach our children that there are there are people, and I mean, one of the this is one of the reasons that I like can't I, I absolutely love that mom and dad live with us now because my children now have not two adults that are easy access to go to, but four. Mm-hmm. And now my children know, and I mean, I, this goes to dad's point, like it is family, but it's even more than that. I mean, these, this is their, this is where they're safe people, you know what I mean? And if that safe person is a teacher or a priest or whatever, that's fine to aunt or uncle, whatever, you know? Um, but now to have appropriate people surrounding your family that you have to talk to. You know, I think my kids feel comfortable talking to you also, Annalise. I mean, they're close enough to you, but now they have four adults, just easy access. I mean, Addie could go over and talk to, I mean, she did. She went over and talked to dad yesterday morning, mm-hmm. You know, just went right over. And it's like, so nice to have easy access to those people and make sure that yeah. you know who they are. Yeah. And I think like, um, I know our kids are, are special because they have access to technology and, and like Louie will be like, Hey, can I call Debbie and Dylan and say hi? And like, we have normalized that for them to reach out. But I think like you're saying too, dad, that secrets, they, they can cause mental and physical harm. Right. And they can, they can eat away. You get like all these physical symptoms as well as the emotional symptoms. But just because I have a secret does not mean that I have to share it. And I guess this is the question who like who can you share secrets with? Because there may be actually there are quite a few things that I will tell my therapist that no one else needs to know about. They are my personal thoughts. They are things I'm processing and working through. 
And it's in my, it's in what I determine is best for me, who I share it with. And so maybe that's when it starts to transition from secret to private, right? It's no longer a secret because I'm sharing it with somebody and processing it with somebody and it, but it's still kept private. Is that, is that kind of, that's almost sounds like justification. Like I'm justifying having a secret. I don't mean that badly, but just because you're telling, so I, I really do believe that when a therapist, because you know that that therapist, unless you're going to harm yourself, can't really reveal what you've told them in a lot of ways, it's almost like a confession. So you're using it as a confessional. And I love that. I love that part of it. But, but at what point does having a secret and not sharing it with the person that's in the most important in your life, for me, in my case, it's, it's mom. If I have a secret and I don't share it with mom, is, is that, is that a bad thing? Uh, what, okay, what well, let's take it to another level, dad. What, uh, if, yeah. what if the secret will hurt her, will hurt the, your, your closest person? Um, what then? You so, know what I mean? So my reality is I won't tell it. <laughs> I, I won't say it. I won't reveal it. I, I just won't. I, I mean, and I don't mean this meanly. I do. Have, I have secrets. So then is I that had a whole other life before I met mom? I, I and, so, and, But then is that privacy or is that a secret? Because I, I mean, I, I you know what? Can we talk about privacy for a second? Would that be okay? Wait, hold on. Wait, hold on. I want to see Debbie shaking her head. Say, I want oh. Debbie to chime well, in. Well, I well, I just want to say this just as a little snippet of some information. So, oh. um, so you I you guys touched on like how secrets can make you sick, right? But there is like actual science behind that. And yes, it does lead to anxiety, depression. It secrets and that type of anxiety affects like the, the prefrontal part of the brain, which has everything to do with like planning, making decisions, like your personal, like how you develop as a person. And so you can imagine like you're talking about like family secrets or just like secrets being kept for like a long period of time. Think about like how that affects like generations. You know what I mean? And yeah, 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 I just, I don't secrets, no matter what they are. I just, they're not good. You know, like you got to tell somebody, I'm not saying you got to tell, you know, whoever, but like you, I mean, you're saying they're not good for your health. Yeah. I mean, not that because no matter what the secret is, like, it's going to affect you. You're going to think about it, especially if it's one that nobody knows, but you like, you're so alone in that. You know what I mean? Again, I think the secret, if it's a secret, is it a good secret or does it have the, the question is what's the consequence of sharing the secret? And that's, you know, if it's your personal secret, and you share it, what will be the consequence of that? Is it some, you know, and again, if it's something good or if it's something bad, and then if you're sharing someone else's secret, what does that mean too? You know what I mean? If someone confides in you in confidence and you share Mm -hmm. that, what does, do you lose their trust or does it end up helping them in some way? So it's, well, and mom, I think you're, I think you touch on like how we learn, right. From when we're young about secrets, like the perception of them. And they always, I always felt, felt like growing up, it was a negative thing. Cause like, and you learn quick who you can share secrets with and who you can't. And mostly you can't anyone um, when you're young because they tell and it's so hurtful. And so then you have this memory of telling someone a secret and they told, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're young, it could be something small, like, Oh, I like, you know, 
whoever I like Curtis. Oh, he's so cute. You know, when you're 15 years old, but you don't want him, anyone to know. And of course your friend tells, and then now all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I'm not telling anybody. And it's just, you know, it reinforces privacy though. I was going to say, is that a secret or is that a private thought? That's a good question. Well, well, I don't know. I mean, uh, the con there's consequences to liking him, somebody, And them knowing there are consequences to it. Well, I feel like if there's fear and shame in liking somebody, right? Like I'm embarrassed that I like this person and I don't want anyone to know, right? It's not just about I'm embarrassed of I like this person. I don't want him to know, right? I mean, I think that this is why it's such muddy water because it can really, it can get kind of cross-contaminated in a sense. Well, I think the question is, are we talking about adult secrets or children's secrets? Because, you know, that's totally different different conversation. Well, no, I mean, I was just using the example of um, you learn from a small age to be shameful of secrets. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because of reinforcement. Right. Um, But no, I mean, I think as adults, it's the same. But I think it stems from your childhood. Mm -hmm. Well, and now in this culture, look how different kids are being raised with privacy and secrets. There's very little privacy. There's very little secrets. I mean, we talk about trauma dumping on TikTok and Facebook. I have so many people that I'm like, I it's so it's just too much to experience their flip flopping posts of and I'm not talking about people sharing their food. Or their kids' pictures. Right. I love that stuff. I'm talking about like my husband is such a piece of crap and da da da. Or like my boss did this and like just that kind dumping, of stuff. Dumping, dumping. Out. It's like an open diary. <laughs> why and and why do people feel that way? So, so I'd like to give an example, just a quick example about how I feel about secrets and privacy. So you guys know I did something bad and. And I feel like I paid the consequences for that with everything in every area of my life. Okay. But that's something that I would like to keep private Mm -hmm. or keep secret. I don't care what word you use to define it, but, but let me tell you that this is the part that's, that's hard. When, when my blood shares a private or secret thing like that with their spouse, Okay, and then something happens, and that spouse ends up they 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 split up, and I think about that private situation moment. Even though it's public, <laughs> it could be really hurt, hurtful to me and my family. Hmm. That's that's why I go back to that blood thing. I'm really adamant about it. I've always been that way. Period. I know things about family members, skeletons in the closet, if you want to call them that that I would never share with anybody because they're, they could be so devastatingly harmful. Can I say something really quick? Yes. So like I a hundred percent respect what you're saying. Mm-hmm. My whole thing is, is that like, I think this is in a more broader sense. Like this is why it's so important to have like conversations with your family, with your children about certain things. Like, Hey, we are all like, we know that something happened or these things have happened like good or bad, whatever the situation is. And like, Hey, this is something for us. And like explaining why, like what that actually means. Like, I just think there's like this thought process that kids or like teenagers or whatever they're, they don't know, like they don't need to know, or they're idiots or whatever. But like, no, like even young kids, like really process information. Like Mm -hmm. I just, that's my whole thing. I just 
feel like got to have conversations, you know? Well, and, and I think that's so important, Debbie, because it takes things that maybe our children or people close to us perceive as a secret and it allows it to become private information. Because if I think I'm holding a secret and I have all that fear and shame festering around it and I'm like, oh my God, like if I, I just have to explode and share this because I can't keep it a secret anymore, it's totally a different feeling if someone shares something with me and is like, Hey, you know, thank you for allowing me to share this with you. I, I really want to keep this information private, but if you ever want to talk about it, talk to me about it. Right. Then it's no longer a secret. Right. But even some things that you have experienced in your family, right. Dad, like blood, they still be, they're still a secret because they're not allowed to be talked about in the open. Even within the family where everybody Mm -hmm. knows the secret like you, it's still a secret. I, but, I feel like but, that's where okay, like trauma comes in is when you're not even yeah. allowed to talk to your, to your people that this information's being kept within. Like, I don't know. Okay, but I feel like you just said, so Annalise, what you just said sounded really good. And then I feel like it just got contradicted. I have a secret that you guys know about. So now it's no, no longer a secret. It's private. Yes. Right. Isn't that what you just said? You have to have that conversation and, and communicate that that's communication is so important in this kind of topic we're addressing Ugh. is that that's if you a- share, well, because if you think about it, right. In the context of what we're talking about, a family secret, if it maintains a family secret and not a family event, that's private, it's still a secret and it carries all the weight of what a secret is, which is something we don't talk about, something we keep to ourselves, right? And leads to and mental health issues. It leads to mental and physical <laughs> and health issues. It's now it's leading to maybe not feeling like you shouldn't talk to your spouse about it, which to me is not a marriage. To me, right? A marriage is talking and knowing. And loving someone, even for all of the things that feel shameful or hurtful or whatever, you know, to me, there are no secrets in a marriage. But but isn't talking about things like like bad, like harm, shameful or secrets that you, you know, that are embarrassing or whatever. Isn't it just keeping it out there? by sharing it i mean but why I, do you want to continue to talk about it at what point do you quit talking about it and, and you and, processed it and you've allowed i mean it may be things you never talk about because well, who's processed i it? mean you, whoever the person is whoever it's shared with whoever the secret belongs to now okay so and some secrets affect other people like we've kind of talked about that a little bit like it can affect another person so like if the secret is known and it's out and people know about it within the family, then I feel like you have to talk about it. You know, that doesn't mean you have to share it with like friends or like outside people, but like you have to be able to talk about it within your core group. And that includes spouses, like anything that I'm going through, I would expect that um, both Curtis um, and Nathan and, and whoever else, right. Like I just, I extend it to them. They're part of my, you would, you would assume yeah. that they know they're a part right, of yes. my wall of boundary with, of privacy. Right. 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 And I think, you know, um, to touch on what Annalise said, 
and what dad said about when is it done? Like, when are you done talking about it? I agree. It's when you're done processing it. But the issue with that, and you know, I'm not a very touchy feely person, but like (laughs) there will be like things that kind of bring it back up. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, What's the right word? Trigger. Do you get triggered? Yeah. Right. Yes. So you might not think of, you might have processed, I might have processed something that happened in our family and I might've processed it with my husband and then we don't talk about it for 10 years. And then something Mm -hmm. triggers me and I go, Oh my God. And now it's back up. And now I want to talk about it again. So I think the answer is, I don't, I don't know that when it's done, you know, and everybody's different, but I do think that we have to have you have to with your spouse. And I am not a family therapist like my sister and I'm not a social worker, like social worker, like my other sister. And, but I do know that. Um, and I do feel so strongly that if you are not in touch with your spouse on all the things, that's not, a, it's not a true marriage. And I, I just, I think that that's what you're there for each other for, mm-hmm. for that leaning on, you should be able to, you know, and I totally agree with you from from a like scientific therapeutic sense and also from a spiritual sense, because I believe in the Catholic marriage and I believe that like Nathan and I represent the relationship that God has with us, that unconditional love. And so for him to love me unconditionally, he has to see all of me. And he's the one person in my life, as I believe all spouses should be the that one person in your life that completely sees you. And then when you receive that unconditional love, there's nothing more powerful than that. That like, oh my God, you see every part of me and know every part of me and love me. And love like there's nothing you could do to lose his love. And there's, there, there's a lot of parts of that. You know, I mean, I might have a, I might share a secret or something I think is private and he might be mad at me for a time, but I know at the end of the day or the end of the week or the end of the year, or whatever, like mom's marriage advice, that's terrifying for a newlywed, there will be good years and there will be bad years. Mom, she's <laughs> Louise. They talk about terrifying a 22 year old woman getting married. I was like, years, what the hell are you talking about? Now I get it. I get it. True. <laughs> but like to know that you could share a secret or have something private shared between the two of you and that it would be okay in the end, you know, when, however long that takes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think like kind of the the conclusion of this, like secrets in marriage and secrets in families is that, you know, there are secrets that we share with our spouse that become private moments between husband and wife. And there are, are secret moments that we share between family members. And that becomes a private uh, a private experience within the family that's not to be shared outside the family. I think that allowing the space for people to bring these things up in a healthy way, I'm not saying like in a fight, right, dad, like you were talking about, like you, these aren't weapons to be used against one another, right? We bring them up in a healthy way. Well, they can be with really unhealthy people. Fortunately for us, we're perfect. So, you know, Hey, so Annalise, I know I am, I know you, you all three are all four of you are perfect. Hey, so Annalise, Help me through. I I, I kind of have my own answer to this question, but let's just say that I have three daughters in this conversation, and they all have husbands. And and what if one of your husbands comes to me in in private to talk about something that's bothering them about their spouse, 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that a secret or is that something private? What, I tell me because, sure. because if, if, if Nate or Dylan or, or Curtis came to me or, or even, well, if, if whatever it came to me and said, Hey, I, I really need some help processing this. And they talked yeah. to me and, and they, they asked me, please don't say anything about that. It's, it's kind of personal or private or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I now am keeping a secret, but to me, yeah. that's okay. I don't have a problem with that. Well, see, and I like, I like that you're bringing this question up, dad, because I think that like, I know when I, I know when I tell Becky something and I'm like, Hey, you know, if I have to say, I usually don't, I'll say, Hey, this is private. Or if I tell Debbie something, Oh, Hey, you know, like don't tell anybody yet or don't tell anybody. They will usually always say, I'm going to tell Curtis, I'm going to tell Dylan, you know, like, cause that's just how I am. Like, just so you know, I will be telling my spouse. So I, and I, I have, have told that to many friends. Wow. Yes, like I'm they just setting a boundary right there off the bat, just so you know, I will tell my spouse and it allows me to make a decision if I want to continue telling them or not. I mean, I always do. Right. But I think also what you're talking about here is th- these moments of personal private connection, right? Like advice giving, uh, son-in-law bonding with his father-in-law moments. Okay. I'm very upfront with my clients in therapy sessions. I don't keep secrets. That does not mean that I don't help them get to a point where they share that personal thought with their partner on their own. And I think that's your judgment. You have to discern for yourself. Gosh, is Nathan is Nathan coming to me to talk to me about something that's really harmful to their marriage? Is this something that I need to help him come out to Annalise about? And then you you decide in the conversation with whoever you're talking to, like, hey, it sounds like you really need to tell your partner. And then you like have to decide for pushing yourself. someone else to tell their their person. Yeah, like and encouraging them to come out with it. I think if the secret if the secret or the conversation was so deep, I would probably say that or help mm-hmm. them get there. But typically we're not talking about those kinds of things, but in uh, what I saw with three nodding heads. So if, if you guys share something with me that you say is private in my mind, I consider it private and I don't share it with anybody. Uh, I, and I don't know if, if mom does the same with me, but it sounds like you guys automatically could possibly share that with your spouses. Is it, um, Angie, are, are we supposed to do that with each other? Is that, a, um, I, don't I don't think we always do sometimes like depending on what it is, it, it really, I mean, for the most part, we share everything, but there are times that the kids have told me things that I just keep it because I know they're not, if they want you to know, they'll tell you. Well, I certainly you know? don't want you guys to think every time I talk to somebody, I'm running, I'm calling Curtis is the next right. phone call. And I'm oh, I don't think that at all. Well, there's I just something. Yeah. I just mean, I have to be free to tell him if it's weighing on me. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. If it now feels like something I'm carrying that I'm, I'm not telling him uh, if it's irrelevant, it's irrelevant. I mean, trust me, Curtis does not even want to know any of the things, much less all the things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but He's very, he's not into these kinds of those kind of conversations, but uh, you know, I just meant in general, I, I don't want to ever feel like I can't tell my spouse. That doesn't mean I always tell my spouse, you know what right. I mean? 
Right. So, yeah. You just kind of weigh it, but I would, mm-hmm. but in my mentality, and it's not even something I really think about it like at all. It's just kind of there is if I'm talking to someone within like our family or like a really close friend too, like in her, she has a husband. I just automatically assume like that they would share that with their person. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, I don't even think about it there. I guess we were saying like, do we like Emily, so you were saying how like Becky and I would like, we might say, Oh, I'm just so you know, I'm going to tell Dylan or whatever. I guess sometimes I give people to like, if I'm talking to a friend, I'll say, Oh yeah, don't share this with anybody. But of course, like so-and-so is fine. Yeah. You give them the out. I do that. Yeah. Too. Um, but I guess with my close people, I don't even have to do that. Like we just know, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, yeah. 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 Do you build that trust too? Like, oh, this, like, you know, you know, some people that they're not going to keep it private. So, but you don't tell them those types of things. Right. Or you tell those people that are going to tell lots of people the other things like, Hey, I lost 10 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> then they tell well, that's, a, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> Sharing information that you want to say is private knowing that it's going to get shared because that's what well, that's want. that's what we I like to call manipulation station that is absolutely <laughs> oh, yeah. that so what is what is a surprise party or like a positive secret where does that's that a, fall that's into a good secret is that there, private or is that a secret like a a, secret. i'm throwing a surprise party for somebody that's a secret you know, you know what though i think that's private planning i thought about this when mom was talking about shameful secrets. no it's not, not shameful. shameful it's private planning like hey hey the, the plans I have for your birthday are private. It doesn't mean I'm not going to share them with you eventually. They're uh, just private right now. That's semantics. I, I, I feel the semantics appropriate are word there is secret. I'm, You're not I'm throwing somebody a, a for, secret for, party. I'm playing. You don't, so you don't have to throw somebody a private party. Not like that. You, do. you throw private parties all the time. Yep. Private parties for your friends and you invite them. Secret a secret is a secret. I don't no, think that's I think that's when you're trying to purposely leave I think that's I, I don't think that that's a big deal. Yeah. That that difference I don't think is a big deal between well, I'm throwing a, a, a surprise mm-hmm. birthday party. Is it a secret or is it private? Does it really matter? It's the same thing. You don't want the person that's getting the party thrown, you don't want them to know about it. So you're keeping a secret from them, but, but eventually remember- it will be revealed and it's not fearful or shameful. But remember what, what? the definitions, the definitions, You're right? Secret. Uh, you want a secret is to be unknown. A surprise. You're going to know they're going to know eventually. Right. Okay, well, that's fine. If you want to call it a private moment, <laughs> I'll, I'm still going to call it secret. OK, <laughs> well, because it's called a surprise party, not a secret party. <laughs> We're throwing Debbie a surprise party. We're throwing Becky a surprise party. We're throwing party. Debbie We're a surprise party. We're going to let her know party. eventually. So keep it a secret, Mom. <laughs> We're throwing Debbie a surprise okay. party. Keep it I a get secret. that that's get what it. we say. We, we do say that. Yeah. We say that. So it. so one of the things, this is this has been a, a mind shift, mind, mind shift, whatever, an okay. adjustment for me. Okay. I was very secret and very private. Mom can probably tell you that. And so one of the things that I have kind of changed about it is I, I have tried to be better about sharing things. If I thought that for with all of you, that if I thought that if any of you, typically Angie, but if my own family, if you that you would be angry or betrayed if you discovered this information on your own or by yourself or from someone else and I hadn't shared it with you, I really have 
it, although I can't really think of a specific example, I would, I really try to share that so that, so that, so that that doesn't happen. Okay. And, and that's, I mean, that's, it falls like along the lines of, I don't know, finances or family or whatever, but I've tried to really be better about that. Cause before I honestly would just keep it a secret. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always been a pretty secret or private person. Um, I, I, I wanted to talk about this part of privacy cause it, it kind of, I saw this in a thing one time and it was kind of cool. And, and I, in my mind, I was saying, you know what a Venn diagram is, right? Mm-hmm. You have, you have circles. And then when you put them together, they cross over. So I think about like for me and mom, it would be, I'm here. Mom, mom's there. Ooh, that doesn't look good. Sorry. <laughs> if you <laughs> could see what he's he doing, does. he's got terrible. two circles I got in two his hands and he's poking his and, finger and through. And, I'm trying to bring, and you bring them together <laughs> and where they cross over. I'm trying <laughs> to stay serious and like, kind of like look at what you're trying to do. And I'm like, no. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'll quit doing that. So yeah, I have two we circles. know what a Venn diagram is. Thank you. And as they <laughs> converge on each other, that middle part, that shared part is the characteristics or the things that you share together. And so, so I was thinking about that part of it, you know, when they cross over too much and then they're like on top of each other and you're just one person, there's not a lot of relationship going on there. I don't think there is. I think that people have to have a little bit of a private life. And I'm, when I say private, I don't mean secret life. I mean, private life. So dad, I feel like the next podcast is Venn diagram you and your spouse and share it. I'm here for it. So 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 now we're all poking our fingers through holes. All of you guys are a good example of this, but I think about (laughs) Becky and Curtis because Curtis will go do some stuff with the guys. Becky will go do some stuff with the girls. That's private, but not secret, but private. And then, but together they do a lot of stuff. Me and mom do the same thing. I, I mean, I don't disagree. It's not like I'm coming back and I'm telling Curtis every detail, right? What right. we did and ate and said and all the things. Well, I just I feel like like me and mom, me and mom got together. There was things that we did together. We had things that we did, and then we got really kind of almost on top of each other. And then, um, and then we. <laughs> oh my we, god! I can't. <laughs> okay, you know what? Cut this potty out. Mouth, potty brain. <laughs> If I no. what if I threw out the word moist, are we going to have suddenly? A oh, God. Okay, oh, now we've just lost all, right. all our followers. No, all no, I'm no. trying to yeah. say is, no. is that I think that part of me and I think me and mom are are getting to that point now where we're going to really come a, a little bit closer together, and that we part is going to get a little bit bigger, but not on top of each other. We'll. You know what I think is. I love what you're saying, dad, because I think it's so important to recognize that a lot of what we've talked about today is about marriage. And, um, you know, and maybe people who aren't married have a person they trust in their life that they can do this with. But what you're talking about in these two circles that converge together and create that shared space, you know, like shared meaning, shared value, shared experience, what the, I think is important is to recognize that what Debbie, Becky, and I are saying is in our life, our circle, it may not always be accessed, but it is it is accessible for our spouse. The information in our circle, in our life, is kept private, but it is kept private for our relationship with our spouse. And so I think that's what makes it so special, like Becky was saying, is that I may have your little circles converge in spots on my circle, but I don't give you access to everything. Nathan 
it receives access to everything. So he may not have it all the time, but it's not kept away from him. It's not kept secret from him. And I would wager to say in our family, if I wanted to know something about you all, I'm pretty sure you would share it with me. I would share most of my circle with you. That's what makes us so enmeshed. And so um, I think we have a lot of shared meaning and a lot of shared value uh, in experiences. But it's not secret. Our, our circles are not secret. They're private, but they're not secret. Right. Right. I agree with that completely. Right. Good. That's why they pay me the big bucks, you guys. Right there. <laughs> awesome. Well, then I expect a really nice Christmas. Fill me. Fill <laughs> me. Cool. Okay. So, so I I want to transition into um, our just giving ourselves a little bit of time to share what topics are kind of hitting us hard uh, right now because we're well, we're I pressing mean, full force into the, the rit- holidays. Well, oh, the holidays. Oh, no, I don't. Oh, no, no, you don't have to talk about that. No, you Um, you're thinking. Well, I obviously that Rittenhouse verdict that's everywhere, right? Like you can't get away from it. And I just want to bring up a little quick point of that. And and I didn't follow it super close. Right. Like, so I know what happened. I know why he was on trial, all the things. But why? um, And I don't mean because I have so much faith in it, but why do we have no faith in our justice system? Why is the verdict of, of our peers that, you know, the, the jurors and the, everybody that was involved, why is it not enough for people? Which because, the media, about, because the so media, because the verdict, oh. he was, he was found uh, not guilty. Found not yeah. guilty. Right. My, my opinion about that whole case or whatever, it was tried through the media before it ever even got to court. Everything is tried. To me, it's like a person who reads an article and they skim through it and they miss many important parts to it. People made up their mind about this particular case long before any of the true and factual information came out. But in a court of law, the facts matter. They all matter. That's all that matters. And I think what's right. happened in society today through social media, through the through everything, we're being told what to believe and what to think on many levels, not just this situation. And I think it's important to take for people to not believe everything they hear or read and and do their own research and really dig for the facts in no matter what the situation is. And I think that's why you're asking yourself this question, like, how can people be so angry and so upset? When the facts were clearly the facts, no, he was acquitted on, I, every, on every charge. So I want to say know, something, though, to, to what you're saying. You know, well, I want to say, Mom, I want to say that I agree with you that media and social media has changed the way we view things happening in our life. But I will say that it's important that we honor and value that there are many, many cases that have not ended up with justice. There has been many injustices done. And if you look at the history, right, and you go back far into our history, there are many cases where uh, people of color, minorities, even poor people are not given the same sentencing, not given the same justice that was put put in this case. I don't know a lot about this stuff. I don't, uh, I won't pretend to understand law or any, not even politics. I don't know that either. I don't know gun law, but what I do know is that people don't trust our justice system because they see time and time again, not 
on media, not on Facebook, in their own personal lived experiences, family members not getting justice. And so right. I think that that's, I think, and that, I think that's why I feel confused now, because I don't, I haven't had yeah. lived that in my exactly. life. Exactly. So then when this comes through, I literally feel ignorant because I go, well, they, they tried it. I, and guess what? I saw, I, I've read substantially before the trial. I, I honestly thought they were going to find him guilty, but I saw the evidence and I thought, how could they find him guilty? He's innocent. But I thought that po- the politics and the, and the environment, social, media, social like environment right now was going to find him guilty. But, yeah. but honestly, he, he did a lot of things that he, he, he was, I mean, he was protecting himself. When you look at the evidence, well, that's the what the evidence, showed, of evidence right? was, was clearly that he was right. protecting himself so, in multiple ways. And you could argue, you can, and that's can why, and that's why people don't to. believe in the justice system because there are cases where people are protecting themselves, but they are people of color. They're black they were found or, guilty. and they were found right. guilty. And so I think that's why people are like, there's something seriously wrong with our justice system. And we would be, all of us would be ignorant to say our justice system is perfect. I don't think we should ever get to a point where we're like silent because we just believe that everything is the way it should be. We should always challenge our politicians, our judges, people in power. They should always be challenged and held accountable. And so I think that when I looked at it, Becky, and I was watching, I was like, what is happening? Like, how is this? That's just how I felt too. I just felt like, like, why is everyone so upset? I mean, obviously the facts led to XYZ, you know, and, and, but then, I mean, of course I didn't watch the courtroom you know what I mean? I wasn't in there. Oh, to the, see, well, but the courtroom coverage was like mind boggling. I'm like, how, how is any of this happening? And, and then well, I just thinking, the witnesses yeah. alone. I mean, that, you know, anyway, long story short is I agree with mom. I think things were tried social media long before they're mm-hmm. actually tried. And that's part of the issue. And, and I agree, you know, Annalise about that there's been injustices made. And so it's a, it just, I guess where I was going with it when I bring it up as a current event is it just breaks my heart to see so much animosity yes. in our country about things like this. Um, no one, hundred percent of people are never going to agree anyway, but just how upset people are. I mean, there are thousands of people marching and protesting and over this. And I guess in a way it just breaks my heart. I just... I wish we had more faith in our justice system. And I, and I wish that the justice system deserved that faith, you know, mm-hmm. all the things it's just, it breaks my heart. You know, I just want to say, oh, yeah. that, I just want to say that, like, I haven't been following this that much either, just because I feel like the intense negativity, like on social media can yes. sometimes like, you need a boundary there. Like you can't be all up in it, like all the time. And, um, but with the Kyle Rittenhouse stuff is like, I think at you brought up a good point. Like, I don't like, we don't know legal stuff. Like no. the, the con, like the regular person does not know that stuff. And I think that's kind of the issue with our, like with our justice system is that it's so complicated. So you're relying on a lawyer to really navigate that for you. And I mean, in this particular case, I mean, if you, I just looked at some of the questioning, like in the, the courtroom and I'm like, the prosecution just didn't do a good job. Like the way that they were questioning people, it really set it up to like, be more in the defense's favor, you know? And so I feel like just little things like that, like it's really frustrating because it doesn't make sense. Like, how is it so complicated? Like, 
And I don't know how you fix that because that's like such a huge system. But you're looking. So, again, unless you're looking at the entire trial from start to finish and you look at every minute of footage, you're only getting snippets depending on who you follow. For example, what Debbie just said about the the prosecution. I thought I thought that the defense looked stupid, not the prosecution. (laughs) So I saw this one snippet where they were asking him a question about why he ran away. Something was on fire. And they're like, well, why did you leave so quickly? And his answer was, because it was on fire. Like, duh. And but literally, the, prose- that's <laughs> the prosecution's asking, like, witnesses, oh, did you see, did he get shot? Like, did he shoot the gun first? No. Oh, did he get shot at? Yes. Did he shoot after he got shot? Yes. It's like, why would you ask those questions? Like, I don't. Okay. But but the bottom (laughs) line is everybody's going to have, everybody's going to have an opinion about this, but clearly (laughs) 12 people. Actually, I think unanimously, it was unanimous 14, 100% believed that he was protecting himself and was innocent. But I agree with that. That says a lot. That says a lot. I agree with Becky though. It's horrible to see so many people in pain and not, know Mm. how to like not know where to stand and not and wanting to be respectful of everybody but like also just being like i don't know how as a like culture and society like i just don't know where we find the like feeling so confused yeah and and just saddened by it i think that that too goes to me saying the responsibility of our media and we're not going to solve that in in the time we have left on this podcast but i think i think it is a responsibility that media reporters, journalists have to help us common knowledge people understand what's happening because this this case from start from start when it happened, right? Like when you're reading the news and seeing like the images and people talking and protesting about what happened at the protest, I'm like confused. And then the trial, I'm confused. And then the result, I'm confused. And so why isn't our media helping us understand this? I can't go and pick up a law book and understand what's happening in a trial. So, and like a lot of people won't even know, like, what does that, what does acquitted mean? What is, what's a prosecution? What's a defense attorney? Like people don't know these things unless you watch law and order SVU all the time. Like we do. <laughs> I was like, clearly from that show. Yeah. And We're, also I can, I know every pedophile walking down the street. So. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, we got I'm an amazing. So you live right next door to one. Uh, oh God! Okay, mm-hmm. moving on. You do not live Bob next door. Really to taking too far. Okay, okay. I have moving a on. point. Cut to it. Make. <laughs> Cut I it. have a point to make. I think. I think why, just in general, in society, why we're seeing so much upheaval and protesting and everything else, we've been manipulated by sensationalism because it makes these big companies money. And that's where their starting point is, is to create the sensationalism instead of giving the American people more credit and giving just the facts and letting us decide for ourselves. We're told what to think, what to believe. And we're buying into that. We're buying into that because there's some part of the human race right now in the world, not just the United States, that wants to belong to something bigger than itself because people are more isolated today and and they they're not connecting on a on a physical level, especially during this pandemic. You've seen the heightened protesting way worse over over since COVID um, or the pandemic. So 
I think when we talk about, you know, media just in general, not even just the justice system, again, we have to check ourselves and say, you know, am I buying into this storyline or am I buying into the truth? Well, and, and, that, and even know, not, not even just on that note, mom, but what you said before about, um, disconnection and not physically being together. Right. I, I, I do not see it getting better anytime soon. Mm. And so I think that we all need to kind of gear up for that and get ready for people really missing human connection greatly. Right. But, Due to COVID, but then it will continue on that. I have no doubt in my mind, we have lost so much human connection over these last two years. And it's, I don't know if we can get it back. I mean, I hope we can. And I think some families like will keep it, you know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. some people even become more of loners and more um, disconnected. And it makes you angry to not have human connection I think right. that's a natural thing. You're just yeah. angry right. and you're sad and you're lonely and it's going to cause a lot more issues down the line. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So I'm curious, mom, what is your hot topic um, that you'd like to share with us? Well, something that's been on my mind quite a bit is our healthcare system. I think in our first responders, I don't think we've taken good care of them. And I think that we need to find a bit way to support the people that we do reach out to in crisis. And there needs to be um, a better regulation in that. You know, we need take to care take of them in what way? Financially? Not even just financially, time off. I mean, a lot of these like nurses and doctors, like, they don't even get a lunch break. They can barely even go to the bathroom. They don't get time off. They're working sometimes, you know, straight through a week because the need is so much there. I think we have to treat our, first, or even our police, look at how they're so disrespected in general. Most police officers are good good police officers. Yes, there are bad ones. There's bad doctors. There's bad priests. There's bad people in the world. We can't generalize, but we have to do something to heal in this area because we all depend on these people. We need them in our life to to help us. And if we're going to just, just write them off and say, well, you know, too bad, get over it. You know, I don't think that we're going to have a good world, to be honest. Um, We're seeing mental health in these areas really breaking down because they're they're burned out. A lot of people. Also, a lot of like early retirement. Right. Because doctors are like, "Eh, you know, retire. So I think I will because I want to do that. Well, and I've talked to some of these people personally and hear their stories and their concerns and they're tired. They're really, really tired. And the expectation is so high for them that, again, they're just like, when when do I matter? You know, Uh, yes, I understand the person laying in the ICU bed, bed comes first. But when do I come first? When do I heal? When do I have my time to rejuvenate, to replenish myself? And we have to allow that, you know, and, and create support and all those kind of things, you know, mm-hmm. team building, uh, you know, everybody being heard in some way, you know, not just suck it up and move on. That's, that's yeah. not going to work. No, and, and from a, and from a business owner's perspective, I would never, ever, ever want my employees to suck it up and move on. There are moments of suck it up 
moments, right? They're brief, they're short. You can train that, but in general, no, I mean, I, I, I believe that these people deserve so much more than they get. And I agree with you, mom. I just don't, I, I think it comes from lack of, and so we need more of those people to be able to give them the benefits that they need. But I get that it's like a vicious cycle, right? But we can't get more because those people don't get, it's just a terrible cycle. So, I mean, part of what's helping, I think so much is just these trades. And dad and I just talked about this the other day because dad's school is so great about getting these 18 year olds into very useful trades that are like LPN, for example, let's use that. Cause you know, our, our um, niece, Michaela, she's doing that program. She will have useful skills and tools right. to be able to help that workforce. Right. Mom. So that that ICU patient or, you know, has multiple nurses, not just one right. to eight or patients or whatever. I, I honest to God do not know their, their ratios, but so that they can take a lunch break so that they can take time off to be with their family and have a family vacation so that they can have normal hours, you know, all of those things that just, we need more. And this is in every industry, not even just that help not even just those workers, but. Well, and I think, I think too, for me, what it's bringing up is a culture issue. And like, right when you started talking about it too, mom, I was like, this is a, this is definitely like a culture problem because I think we value things that like COVID taught us, right? Essential workers. Who were the essential workers? Like grocery store clerks grocery and store nurses clerks. and doctors and police officers. And, and so who, who were these essential people in our lives? Teachers. I mean, gosh, the work teachers were doing to get their classes online and teach virtually really hard stuff. And so I think, you know, when we put all of our our money and our value and our attention towards influencers on Instagram or celebrities or, you know, athletes, like those things are nice. And I like having those things, but I do think that kind of our, we need like a shift in culture to change what our values are. But I also think that these are really big systemic issues, right? Like the system in the United States for helping people is what people might say broken, maybe sure. But I like the language you use mom of healing, Right. We don't just need healing for our nurses and doctors. We need healing for our teachers. We need healing for our everyday people who right. like, want to trust in the justice system, want to trust their police officers, want to trust that their doctors have their best interests and are not giving them five minutes and shoving them out the door. So I think that it's just a whole kind of system that needs to be healed. And I don't know how to do that, but like I'll always have the conversation about it. Like, oh, right. I, I, and I want it to be in the forefront of my mind all the time. Like when you are grocery shopping and you are kind to that person that's helping you, or mm-hmm. you are extra kind to your kids, teachers who spend so much of their life being good humans and teaching our children yeah. and, you know, not disrespecting a police officer and teaching your children how to respect them. All of those things. You know, know, Becky, that's so, that's so true. So I went this morning to Target before we started this thing because I needed to get dog food and I didn't want to go. I I, I didn't want to go somewhere else. So I I was at Lowe's and so I ran over to Target real quick. And I swear, 10 Target employees said good morning to me. And it was like, damn, it made me feel good. Like in that moment. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things that I've noticed at school is that is that, and, and just in general in life, I'm, I'm really trying hard to move away from the extremes and move back to the middle 
Because I feel like that's where the bulk of people are. And they're the ones that are going to mm-hmm. affect change now. Because I am so tired of the extremes. Like, like uh, you know, Annalise, you were asking about what's going on in, in, in your life or whatever. What hot topics? My, I, my life has never been better. Like all everything that's going on in my life, there are some little nuisances and nuances that are kind of like a pain in the butt. But for the most part, school is great. I have a great school. I have a great team. I have amazing students. We're finishing construction. My life is fantastic. I have four amazing children with, and you guys all have amazing spouses that you love. I have an amazing wife. I have amazing grandchildren. My pro, we, we stole our house and, and we're in a unique place right now that's amazing everything is amazing like me and mom are playing are starting to plan out like moving forward so my life could not be any better yet there's all these little tiny problems that keep popping up i don't even care about them anymore i'm moving to the middle you know like to the turkey the thanksgiving baskets becky that you know you were talking about the ones you guys are doing the ones we did at school like that's where we need to be we need to be thanking police officers waving to them or, mm. or, you know, I, I'm just, I'm over so much. I am so tired of social emotional problems in society mm-hmm. that I'm ready for, I'm ready to affect some change myself. And, well, and, I, and in order to affect change, the light. I have to change. Be the light. I mean, be the light. I, I mean, not though, even I mean, sarcastically. No. And I love that. Like, like both you and Becky are saying is that your behavior can really influence other people around you. And that when you, when you allow yourself to be present in the moment and enjoying your experience, I think that's really impactful. I just, because I live in that space that you want to get out of, I would, I would regret not saying that that is a privilege. And that's a privilege that you have to be able to think like that and to have those thoughts and to have the ability to say, I'm going to move to the middle because I want to enjoy, like some people don't have the privilege of moving into the middle and all they have is their voice that they use to fight for their rights. And so I think I too want to live in the middle, dad. It's not a bad thing to want to live in the middle and that, you know, giving people like not shaming people for wanting to live in the middle, even if it means they have privilege. I I don't think we should ever be in that space, but I think that we should not also shame people who can't be in the middle, that they have to live on one extreme or the other because they don't know how to get there yet. They're not given the tools or they don't have access to the middle. And when I say middle, I mean like, being able to say, I don't, I don't need to think about that political agenda, or I don't need to worry about police harming my child because they're black. Like those are privileges we have that we don't ever have to think about. And so I want to live there. I want to stay there. I don't want to go to extremes, but I also want to like bring more people to the middle with me. Right. Right. By our, right. By how I treat people like you're saying, Becky. So yeah, kind of just my thoughts on that. I like that. Annalise. Uh, that was a nice way of putting that together. I want to bring all of the people with me. All the people. I'm like <laughs> hugging myself right now. You guys, again, this is why they pay me the big bucks. I don't make big bucks. I, so just, just, just so you know, I'm only taking you guys. I'm only taking you three and my, Angie, of course, and Nico and my grandchildren. If the zombie apocalypse occurs. Oh, so like Unless um, your husbands have Nathan's guns and weapons and ammo. <laughs> I was gonna say Nathan's the only one certified to shoot like these crazy guns. What are you talking about? You're not taking Nathan. But, but does he have that? Is he gonna be able to grab one of those with him? Because right now we'll you figure know, that out later. Yeah. Uh, Debbie, what's your hot topic? 
I was trying to think. I mean, I honestly, I've been kind of stepping away from like some of the, I mean, I like to stay up to date. It's totally my personality to like, to be, you know, just what's going on. But, you know, I do try to minimize it a little bit because it can get really intense, you know, like I get, I get anxious, like when I'm reading too much about what's going on. Um, but honestly, I've just been sort of just planning for the future, just doing some things. Like we were trying to think of vacations and then we started thinking like, what is actually a appropriate age? Like what are appropriate age activities when you're out of town, you know, things like that. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just hanging out here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't take yeah. a little so you the bar. That's not with a little. Yeah, I'm again, just. <laughs> I'm just staying really present in the moment. Like each day is just its own day. Not really, you know. I don't know. I think that's good when you have a one and a half year old. Yeah, it's just time flies. Like when you mm-hmm. have that one and a half year old, every day they're changing right before your eyes. And yeah. um, I think I think there's a real blessing in that and a real joy in that, even though it's it's tiring and difficult in moments. I think there's great reward in that. And, mm-hmm. when, you, and when you do reflect the memories or the joy that you're creating will will be life giving. It'll continue to grow. And I think that's a really good thing to be present to consciously say I'm yeah. going to be present. But, so. you know, it it. I do. We we really do want to do like a cool experience with her, but it is hard to figure out what to do with a, a young child like that. Like I've been reading a lot of blogs and people really go on vacations with their toddler young kids. And I'm like, I, how do they do it? You know, but why do they do it? They speak very highly of their experiences, though, like that. It was great and that it's just a myth to not try it. Like, but I'm just, I don't know. I think I'm a little too type A A for things. I will say, like, I'll say one thing real quickly is that you have to teach your children. Like, I'll give you an example. You have to take your one-year-old out to eat, you know, and you have to pick a situation that's not going to be totally traumatizing to the people around you. We'll say it that way. But children have to learn by experience when they're little. And so if you never do anything with them or take them anywhere, whether you, whether it's successful or not, they, you learn and they learn how to do things because yeah. it, it changed, you know, you have to learn. And the only way you can learn is by doing it. So, you know, taking your child, I just use the restaurant. Maybe the first time they threw all the food and screamed and yelled, maybe the next time they're like, oh, this feels familiar and they're better, you know, um, but you have to try. Yeah, yeah, try. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of what I was going to kind of lean on mom too, is that, um, you know, not allowing like outside influences to tell you what to do, right? Like you don't have to take your 18 month old to Disneyland. Like right. That. Right, that right, doesn't. Right. That's a lot yeah. of money to spend on something they'll never remember. But like what mom's saying is children learn through experience and they learn through your modeled behavior. So for me, like as a, a person who's had to travel a lot just to see family being, you know, away in the military, my kids are excellent travelers. They, they know how to get into the car and they know how to entertain themselves in the car and be on long road trips because we have been doing long road trips since they were 
newborns. I mean, I, I never allowed Joaquin's birth to stop me from seeing family. And, you know, I would drive from Navarre, Florida to new Orleans, even if I had a blowout diaper and stop and then head the next, you know, three hours to you in Houston or however far it is. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I think it's a choice you make and you and your, and Dylan, you guys decide like, what is it that we want to get the, what is the value of doing this? But would you take Lolita? I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Annalise. (laughs) Would I take Lily where? To Cancun. (laughs) How, what is so weird that Dylan's, because, you know, he, how he plans vacations, um, this is a little secret of his, is (laughs) secret. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) bad joke. Um, He uh, will look on Google Flights um, and you can set it to where it's just like broad and you just put in like a time frame that you're looking at and maybe like a price range and it'll show you anywhere in the world that you could fly to for like cheap, like, you know, you, you put in your price range. And like all the time, Mexico is always so cheap to fly to. And I'm like, he's like, we could go to like, like Cancun or something. I'm like, we are not doing that. <laughs> no. But that's because you got to, they, they want you to save all your money for the ransom when they kidnap you. <laughs> I, we were, we were looking at two different options, driving up or going to California, like um, not driving, sorry, flying into California um, and kind of doing a little triangle of stops, um, San Diego, Newport, and then Anaheim or wherever Disneyland's at. I don't know, like the Disneyland thing, like, I don't know. Um, I just feel like it would just not be enjoyable. I don't know why, but maybe it would be. I don't know. Um, No, I mean, we're waiting. We're waiting. Our first trip to Disneyland will be our youngest will be five. So I feel like that. Yeah, I I think like for me, like I've been to Disneyland a lot. So to me, it's like. I don't see the big deal like in taking her and just kind of changing your expectations on like what you're going to do there. You know what I mean? But because I think she would still have a blast just seeing everything. But like you said, it's a lot of money. Like, is that kind of the right thing to do? Um, but we also looked into Seattle, too, um, and just going to Seattle for however many days. And they have a lot of really cool stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Like like parks, you know, like cool. Stuff I still like think that. the best answer is for you guys to send an airplane ticket for mom to go out and watch your kids while you guys go have fun. Well, Dylan's going to Norway. <laughs> lucky guy. Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Nate and I just did that. Dad, like we mom came and watched the kids while we went on a trip. It was more work than than fun, but it, we had a lot of fun. So and, and, and you know what? Taking care of a kid. So that was that was nice. Mom, mom had fun. I mean, she had adventures with the kids and she had a good time. So those are meaningful things. Um, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Hey. My, my hot topic to, to end this uh, segment here uh, is the lunar eclipse that just, oh. I, for me, like I have been talking to mom about her astrology research and work, and we've been kind of having more conversations about the meaning and all of that. And, I don't know for me if it was just because the place I was in, I was, I was in Georgia with Nathan while he was working, like the lunar eclipse felt powerful to me. And, you know, maybe it's because I'm giving it meaning and value in my life, but I don't know, like mom was telling me, uh, you might have to clarify mom because I, you know, I don't remember exactly, but like the, the lunar eclipse is bringing change and it like powerful change. And 
I can feel it. Like I feel like I've had this buildup over the last year of moving and grieving and changing and like feeling so stuck and stagnant at the same time. And, and then like this, just last week, everything felt so clear. Like I have so much clarity about what I want in my life and, and who I am as a person. And so maybe it's the lunar eclipse. Maybe it's like really good therapy. I don't know. Maybe it's like, can you give me some of this energy? I let me, um, let me just explain in a short little snippet about the eclipse. This eclipse was what we call a lunar eclipse. And in two weeks on dad's birthday, December 4th, we'll have a solar eclipse. So the lunar eclipse this time, what it's about is removing something from our life, taking something away, whether that's a bad memory, a bad experience, a bad relationship, a bad job, a bad habit. Bad secret. Or something that just yeah. is no longer useful. We can surrender it ourselves if we're aware of it. Like you just said, Annalise, you had this epiphany, you know, now in your life. Like dad said, I've realized I need to move to the middle. That's energy from the lunar eclipse. It doesn't have to be bad. Or it can be life-altering depending how far out of alignment you are energetically. It can feel huge. It can like, we'll use Heather, I mean, and her husband. I mean, that he had he had fulfilled God's plan for him here on earth. And she might not have been aware of any of these things, or he might not have been aware of his own health or anything, you know, but it became a big issue, came right in front of him. And it can happen that big. Now, in two weeks, the solar eclipse is going to create more of a wish come true, what our souls desire. If there's something that you've been longing for or thinking about, or you, we always know these things. We just, it's in our subconscious sometimes. Sometimes it is in our awareness. But if there's something like, say, I've been wanting to make better food choices, it can be that simple. All of a sudden, you find yourself in the grocery store buying more salad or more healthy food. It can be that simple, or it could be something oh. bigger. Like, you know, like uh, getting a podcast sponsor and a book deal. That's what I'm putting into the universe. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. It can be that big. And that, and that solar eclipse energy, it'll run for six months. So that energy, you can pull on it and draw from it and you can pray and you can ask God, or like I always tell people, whoever your spiritual connection is for me, it's God, but other people, it might not be. But the energy is available to everyone in the world. And so I tell people, you know, consider that and ask, because a lot of times we just wait it out. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to wait for something to shift, something to show me what to do. No, don't wait. You have the energy right now as a support. Ask for it. It'll come to yeah. you. It'll, it'll present itself. So... That's, well, and that's, I think that's so, that's so exactly hits it on, for, on the head for me, mom, because I have been waiting and sitting and waiting and I'm not a waiter. I am a leap of faith, trust in the process kind of person. And so all this waiting I've been doing and working from home is, has really been not good for me. I, I feel like this trip for me aligning with the lunar eclipse and like just trusting in the process and putting myself out there being open to the whatever comes my way you know like we talked about me taking this trip and and i i went on this trip to reach out to other military spouses and families without any preconceived expectation i came totally open like ready to be vulnerable ready to take whatever it was that was coming my way and when it came, I was like, 
I'm ready. Like I know now what I, what my, my purpose is. And, um, I'm excited. I'm on fire. I I hope to the key. You went in being open. You went in being ready to receive. You let go of all your pre-existing expectations that you were attached to. And that is the lunar eclipse, letting go of something that's not serving us. Your way of thinking before wasn't helping you be strong and be in your true authentic self. It was weakening you in some way. It was holding you back. So when you surrender to that energy of that way of thinking and feeling, you actually went forward. You like you, um, the energy moved for you. That that's really profound. That that's great. Whoa. Yeah. Yes. Super. Just like that. We can sit in a place for years holding on to something that's not serving us because we think we are right. You know, our pride gets in the way, you know. So. Which is funny because mom and, and Nathan picked up a, a free book at church this morning called uh, When God Laughs. Yeah. It's about like laughing at your plans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I well, I just I just want to say thank you guys for. Uh, oh, go ahead, dad. No, I was just going to say I look forward to having face to face conversations with you three. I know you so we're soon. all be together on Tuesday. Wow. It's going to be great. Very excited. But I, I do want to say thank you for coming and being open. I'm just so grateful that you guys are willing to share so much of yourselves in these podcasts. And, and especially you, dad, this time, I don't want to miss the opportunity to say like, wow, you really, yeah. you really showed up today and you really <laughs> shared a lot of yourself <laughs> as he has like, he has a green screen background. I wish you guys could <laughs> see how silly he is, but, but you did, you showed up today and I mean, you never fail to show up and you too, mom, you guys never fail to show up for us. I mean, we're grown ass adults and you're still here for us supporting our, our dreams. Podcast. <laughs> Podcast. <'Cause> you're awesome. <laughs> but I love you, um, love you too. And happy Thanksgiving. Um, I can't wait to see you. Yes. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. If you want to hear more, please subscribe. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at MFT. If you'd like to share a story about your family, you can email me at contact at AnnaliseLuceroMFT.com. I'm a licensed and trained marriage and family therapist but this podcast is not a replacement for therapeutic advice. If you need help finding a therapist, visit psychologytoday.com to find a therapist in your area.